Did we have uh, gymnastic um, mats and pads yeah, and mats, stuff? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember we were, we were stage diving on no one onto gymnastic pads. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. Now, my friend is a guy named Aaron. And Aaron today on this episode has... Uh, a, a great interview, one that I've been kind of like waiting for, waiting for it to happen. You see, Aaron used to play drums. We've mentioned this in a, f- a few times in a band called Means. In fact, if you listen to last week's episode, his interview with uh, Matt from Northcote, you'd know that Matt also played in Means. And to go back a little bit here on, uh, I guess, the, the timeline, the history of this podcast, uh, a number of years ago, I had a guest on by the name of Todd. Todd also played in Means. He played bass in Means. He came on the show back when the podcast was still called Music to My Peers, and we talked about Thrice. And that's actually how Aaron got connected with the show, because he heard the episode with his friend Todd and then, you know, started reaching out. And eventually Aaron became, uh, you know, the regular, the go-to, my better half on this show. We'll put it that way. And from that point, I had kind of bugged him said man you should do you should do an episode with with some of the guys from means so this is that episode it is literally a couple of years in the making this is all the guys from means getting together and hanging out and talking about good days good times but also sharing their top five their five favorite means songs so that's coming up in just a minute uh you don't want to miss it especially i mean if you're here you're either a fan of the podcast or a fan of the band means and uh Either, either way, you're going to love this. It's, gonna, it's a great episode. Um, but before we get to it, I'll just share real quick. Go follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at GrowingPunkPod. You'll find our personal Twitters and Instagrams linked there as well. And as always, wherever you're listening to the show, uh, rate it, review it, tell your friends about it. Uh, if you've got friends who are fan, fans of the band Means, uh, they're going to want to hear this one. Uh, this one, like I said, a couple years in the making. So let's not waste any more time. Go follow us. On social media, come hang out with us. Join our Discord. You can ask, uh, follow us on social me- social media, and then we'll send you a link to the Discord where we chat. We talk about fun stuff. Anyway, let's not waste any more time. This is Aaron and uh, the reunion, I guess you could say, the podcast reunion of the band Means. these you know i i ask ask the band or i bring up you know like maybe a fact i didn't know or just kind of a funny anecdote um 
But since some of that is irrelevant, since I know all the anecdotes already and uh, nobody wants to hear all the, the deep dive anecdotes, <laughs> I, I thought it. So sometimes I'll, I'll talk about like the first time I saw that band and just kind of my first connection with that. Um, so, you know, so that actually is relevant because maybe not everybody knows this, that I actually did see Means to an end, um, the band live before I joined. And uh, so I thought maybe I'll just share that memory and then we'll just kind of go from there. Um, so in Dauphin, I was playing in a band. Uh, Matt was playing in Means to an End at the time. And uh, so we played a show together with some other um, crust punk bands or something. And uh, yeah, so Means to an End played. That was Matt, Blair, and uh, what, was, what was the drummer's name at that time? Steve? Matt. Yeah, Steve. What a good guy. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Two, two mats and a blair that should have been the band name anyways I, I i just you know in dauphin there wasn't a lot of local bands and so it was just really cool to see a band that i thought was good you know seeing them live and um, who knows if it was good at the time but anyways I, I remember coming up to you matt after and just telling you how i thought it was cool and um you know to see another band that kind of had you know more of a melodic punk sound um was really neat so anyways long story short i ended up joining the band which I can't remember exactly how long after that show it was that I joined. Um, but anyways, yeah, so things kind of went from there. So I wanted to briefly touch kind of on the, on the early days, you know, the recording, the changing of style, some of the first tours. You know, I know this won't necessarily involve Dylan and Todd um, as much, but I will tie, tie that in after. Um, so, Matt, I thought maybe I would ask you kind of what your memories are of the band during that time. Like, do you remember what your thoughts were during those earlier days in Dauphin? You know, when you started Means to an End, you know, did you have any aspirations for the band or was it just kind of, I've got some friends that like the same kind of music, so let's just start playing and see what happens. Um, the, I went to a Christian high school that didn't have a school band. And back where I, I grew up in Saskatchewan, I was in the school band. So when I got to Dauphin, there was no school band. So we started playing guitar and well, I spent a lot of time playing guitar. I think the whole goal of uh, means at the start was to meet people from town because um, uh, Blair and Matt and I, we wanted to play with the other punk bands in Dauphin because we were kind of sheltered in our, at the Christian boarding school in Dauphin. So, so uh, that was the whole goal of the band starting, I think was to, meet the other bands in town. That's where we met you too. I, you were wearing a slick shoes hat and I had green pants on with a bike chain. Yeah. Long bike chain. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. It's funny how those random little things would just instantly connect us back then. So did you just meet Blair and Matt like at the school for the first time? I think so. And Matt was an older guy in college. The only person I knew. And Chris also played a bit of drums too. And Matt oh, yeah. and they kind of switched in and out. Um, but Blair was wanted to try screaming. And so I made him do that. And he was screaming a lot. And we were making up rooms in the dormitory or we were uh, making up songs in the dormitory where we lived. So um, it's pretty funny to think of us playing very loud in a dorm where 40 other people live. But we did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is cool. That opportunity was there, you know, for a band like us from a small town, you know, like internet was pretty limited back then, I think. 
you know, we did a really good job of kind of building up a name for ourselves. You know, it seemed to happen really organically as we kept getting, you know, more opportunities and traveling, you know, to different towns um, around to play. Um, you know, we would kind of play anywhere, you know, maybe often to our detriment, <laughs> you know, whether it was like not getting paid or playing at like some weird camp or something, waiting till 11 o'clock at night to play or, you know, but I think that that really helped to uh, get people like acquainted with. I did. Sorry. So I think you learned that lesson before I did. Yeah. Well, do that. <laughs> we probably kept that going a bit too long, but, you know, I, I think that's what really helped us at the beginning was just being willing to play anywhere for anyone and just being excited that we had the opportunity to do that. So I wanted to touch on something that will, that will come up a few times. That's kind of our, our various shifts and styles of music, you know, from kind of each recording to the next. Uh, Matt, when you started writing songs that mean for means to an annual songs were more kind of straightforward kind of punk rock songs, but that seemed to kind of change, you know, as we started playing more, you know, maybe a bit more kind of emo influence, you know, bands like Monine and Hot Rod Circuit, you know, or maybe some of those influential bands. Um, but what do you remember about those kind of shifts in songs during those times? Like, do you remember it being a conscious thing where it's like, oh, we should try, you know, doing more kind of spazzy stuff or not just straight fast beats? You know, as kind of the main songwriter, do you remember kind of what your thoughts were then? I think we were going, the songs were going uh, as we were growing. So like the more I learned to play different things on guitar, they would get a bit more chaotic and then we would work out some interesting drum parts together and you, you were exploring how you wanted to play the drums. So we were just exploring how we wanted to play it. So it was kind of like uh, clunking along as we were kind of learning. And then I, I think maybe later we kind of more developed was closer to our sound, but you know, it's, I never really had guitar lessons and basically you, we, you taught me how to play guitar in a way because we did it together. So those, yeah. those early days are kind of pots and pans and, you know, you know, quite, a, quite interesting guitar parts. Yeah. Well, I, I remember we were, we were all, you know, we were all on board for it. You know, it's kind of funny now. I think of if I was playing music in a band now, I would be a lot more picky with that kind of stuff. Or I'd be like, ah, I don't really like Monine. Like, I don't really want to be influenced by a band like that. But again, back then we were just excited to being kind of influenced by any band that was doing something cooler than we did. And I think another part is, you know, we wrote a ton of songs, right? It seemed like we were kind of always writing and, you know, maybe record a demo and then, <clears throat> you know, kind of throw that away and kind of start over. And so I kind of think each time we did that, we almost took in a new influence and tried something else and then just kind of kept progressing in that, in that regards. Um, yeah. So again, for the sake of time, you know, we're kind of, kind of cut out lots of details and stuff, but um, to kind of sum up the years following this, you know, we continued to write and record and play as many places as we could, including the city of Regina, uh, where we already kind of had some connections with friends and we'd come up here to play, you know, a few different concerts at places. And uh, what's cool is I actually just ran into Tim Furry um, last week at a coffee shop. Um, so he was the guy that was running a place called the Buffalo Lounge in Regina uh, which had a bunch of cool gym concerts, which is the first play in place in Regina that we played. Um, so the band ended up moving to Regina in the summer of 2003, and we continued to focus on writing, recording, and touring as much as we could. Um, so also in this time, I want to mention that we we dropped the to an end. So we were means to an end. 
And uh, people were just kind of starting to call us Means already. And I think there was another band called that. And I think the name Means kind of stuck a bit. You know, it was simple. We were simple, you know, a three-piece. It just kind of stuck with us. So during this time, we met a guy named Dylan, who is the front man of another band from Yorkton and who had put on shows for us in the past. And so we were familiar with him and his vocal style. Our then bass player and screamer Blair, who we mentioned um, had decided to move on from the band. And so Matt and myself were, were looking to fill that spot and thought that Dylan would be a great addition. So Dylan, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts kind of on that time, that transition. You know, what were your thoughts coming into it? Did you think like, you know, okay, I'm going to, I've seen this band play, you know, I, I'm assuming you thought we, we sounded good. So what was it that kind of drew you to think like, okay, this is worth, you know, moving to a different city and living with guys you didn't really know? What, what do you remember about that time? Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's funny. I remember, um, yeah, you guys had such a good live show when I saw you like before. And uh, yeah, it didn't feel that crazy to move into Regina and like to join this band at the time, I think. But looking back, I suppose it kind of was a little bit wild. Um, but yeah, I had... Uh, I had just wanted to, you know, tour, be in a hardcore band, you know, in high school, I'd skateboard home for lunch every day and watch the Face Down Fest DVD and <laughs> listen to Comeback Hit all the time and stuff and Fear 4. And that was just all that I could imagine doing. And so even though, you know, you guys weren't exactly that style, um, it was, yeah, it just seemed like an awesome opportunity to uh, pursue that. And um yeah like I knew I didn't know you guys super well but a little bit and you guys are super fun and nice and everything so it just seemed like it uh just worked yeah but which is kind of crazy because there's so many scenarios in which things could have just fallen apart right you could have come and moved in with me and Ben and Tim and it's been like uh, like these guys are idiots or you know right like maybe maybe means wouldn't have you know turned out as good or something right there's all sorts of things but yeah so definitely feel lucky that you know to get another kind of small town kid who is passionate about music and and dedicating himself to the band to join us like I, I remember me and Matt like you know being really excited about that you know because we were I think you know kind of disappointed that Blair had left and I, I don't really remember again the timeline like how much time was in there do you, like, do you remember that, Matt? Like, was there a time where it was just me and you and we were like, okay, what are we doing here? Or had we already kind of met Dylan and was like, hey, yeah, he's going to kind of fill that spot? I don't remember how that worked, except maybe Blair gave us a heads up. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe Blair gave us a heads up and and we've been playing with Dylan and Dylan is such a good front person. And so, and uh, we asked you to play bass too. Yeah, I think the timeline was a little bit uh, messy. Like, I don't know how much we need to get into that, but I remember like moving into Regina. Like, I moved because you guys were looking for like a bass player or something, or maybe singer. I can't remember what you asked at first, but I remember thinking I was going to play guitar too, and like Blair wasn't going to quit. And we had you remember Davy? We had we thought he yeah, was going to yeah. be singing for a bit. We jammed with him like a couple times, and yeah, then I took over on bass. But I'm pretty sure I moved in in like the fall of 04 or something. And I don't yeah. think I really even joined till like the spring of 05 or oh. something. I think I moved in and just like chilled and hung out for like six months or something. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cause we were kind of all figuring it out and yeah. So I can still picture us jamming in that dorm room at Western with Davey and, you know, there was excitement of, you know, kind of having some new guys in the band, but there was also some weird kind of glitches. I was like, I don't know if this is kind of really meshing. And so thankfully things just kind of worked out naturally and, and that uh, you were able to pull off the screaming and the bass. So congrats to you. <laughs> well, yeah, Dylan, Dylan pick, picked up on our arrangements pretty naturally, I think, Aaron. Yeah. You know, like we didn't really feel like we, Dylan, we really had to struggle creatively with finding an arrangement for where you were, wanted to sing that I yeah. can remember. And so that, that felt pretty natural to me because we tried other singers and the singing wouldn't line up, things yeah, like that, yeah, you know? Um, so we kinda... Yeah. And I think that was a big help that we had seen him play in a band. You know, we had similar musical interests. And so, yeah, like, like I said, it could have gone a lot of ways, but thankfully it went the way it did. But yeah, so again, you know, we, we continued to kind of gain momentum as we kept writing and playing shows and getting more opportunities. During this time, we met a guy named Todd, who again was playing in another band. Um, again, for time's sake, you know, um, Dylan was wanting to kind of focus on being a front man and stop playing bass. And so we were on the lookout for a bass player that would not only be dedicated to joining a full-time band, but someone who was also absolutely in love with Reliant K. So thanks, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so embarrassing. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, I can't remember who I was talking to about this recently, but just about that transition of, cause I think we had actually asked Tyler first to join. Um, cause I think we knew he played guitar and maybe he was a bit more into hardcore music or whatever. And then he was like, Oh, I'm not that interested, but my brother Todd would, would love that. And so then you, I think you like, came to Regina and jammed with us for a bit and um, yeah, it kind of yeah. meshed well, but yeah, again, kind of same as Dylan. Like, what do you remember about this time? You know, again, you were coming from a different place and, living with different guys and just kind of hoping for the best. Yeah. I think um, you're, you're not wrong that my brother was always a little bit ahead of me in the realm of openness to different things in music. I, we would drive home from high school together. We're twins. So we're always, we were always together and he would always have some, I don't know where he got money. He never had a job. I'd go to work at the pool and, <laughs> he'd come home with new CDs and I was like, what the heck? But anyways, he always had new stuff before I knew what it was. And so he, he went and saw you guys somewhere, came back and, and said that he had had that conversation. And I was like, no, 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 that's, that's not okay. You don't play bass. You've never touched my bass. You don't care about bass. And uh, so, yeah, I remember, I remember painstakingly going through this email to send you guys trying to convince you that I was not just into Reliant K. <laughs> <laughs> I was just joking about that. I can't remember if they, you actually liked them or not, but no, like I remember, I remember hearing you will become and obviously that first sing along part caught me being the pop punk kid I was, but I remember being hit when, when Dill said, like the dead man we are walking and how heavy that part was. I was just like, this is the best thing ever. It's everything I could love about music. So I, at, at the point I heard you were looking for a bass player, I was just, I was ready to do whatever it took to, to come to Regina and, and see what I could do to fit in. 
Yeah. And, and do you remember kind of how that felt like those first few jams? I can kind of picture us in our jam spot, um, like just kind of going through songs or maybe we had, you know, sent you some tabs or something. And like, do you remember it kind of clicking or did you have any thoughts of like, oh, maybe this isn't for me or because again, no. you were you, like, that was a big move for you. And so that was, you know, you were giving up a lot as well. Yeah, no, I, all I remember being told was everything's drop C. And I just, I took that EP and sat in my parents' basement and just figured out all the songs on the EP and came in super blind to whatever else you guys were playing at the time. Um, but I, I remember feeling a little nervous jumping into the space and Dill hands me the bass and, you know, we just like picked up those EP songs and, and I felt like I, I felt like we made it through. There was like a couple spots where it was like, oh, it actually goes like this. And oh yeah, it's a little bit different there. And, but I, I felt like I knew those ones well enough that I could hide myself in there pretty good. But uh, yeah, then obviously you guys had been starting to write, sending me, sending you strength already. So there was, there was new stuff that was blowing my mind that first day. And I was like, oh dear, this is yeah. so good. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, so let, let's touch on, so you mentioned other songs from uh, more, more Than Watchmen. So yeah, so that was kind of our first set of songs, you know, maybe some of those were kind of written already, but those were, you know, our first four songs, you know, as, as a new four piece, um, which I said was called More Than Watchmen for the Morning, which came out in 2006. Um, I remember this being a really exciting time for us as a band. Uh, we finally had some songs that we were really proud of, songs that reflected who we were, but also kind of where we were going. This is the period where the song started getting, uh, like Todd mentioned, you know, a bit heavier, a bit more emotional, um, but it just, but just better songs. I mean, we've been, um, you know, at least me and Matt have been, you know, playing for, you know, three, four years at this time. Uh, we also had our first opportunity to work with a legit uh, record producer, John Paul Peters. You know, we got our first manager, the legendary KG, shout out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, continue to pursue bigger and better opportunities, you know, including getting signed. So let's talk about one of one of these songs off of this album, because I guess maybe I haven't mentioned on this, but the series that this is on is, is five favorite songs. And so um, so I picked five songs that, you know, were ones that we played, all, you know, if not all the time, most shows, ones that were kind of fan favorites. And so e even for myself, I'm excited to hear kind of the background on some of these, because um, I, I do want to say that, you know, kind of years later, um, you know, I'm a bit, bit more aware of like, man, like, I don't even know what some of our songs were about. I don't remember like sitting down with Matt and being like, hey, what inspired this song? It was just, you know, maybe more just focused on my part or, or whatever it was. So, so I'm looking forward to this too. So the first song is going to be You Will Become.
would just kind of leave it open just for thoughts on kind of writing this song, you know, maybe what was the inspiration for it? What were we trying to do kind of evolving with our sound in this? And um, maybe we'll start with Matt. Do you remember kind of what inspired this song or, you know, coming up with the riffs or anything like that? Uh, I don't, uh, not particularly. I watched, I watched the music video today uh, and saw us on there. There's lots of different parts. What, stands out to me from playing the song as the start because when when the start song would start there would be a big sing along at the start of the song yeah i think the the guitar the melodic stuff i was playing i think maybe started with you will become high up on the fretboard in funny shapes that were melodic you know and then we learned a lot from misery signals and shy Halud. yeah so we had a, that kind of started there, I think, with was the high melodic guitar instead of always being down low and detuned guitar. Mm. Do, you, do you remember what, what inspired it lyrically? No, I no, I don't. I, yeah, that's a long time ago. It's, it's okay if not. There's some intense things about the song, like Todd was saying, the what was the lyric that stood out to you, Todd? I remember the part where it's like, we're, we're so um, crying out that we're burning out our stomachs. Yeah. That's the <laughs> next line. Like the dead men we were walking and we're burning out our stomachs. Yeah. But and like they, the words there, like I remember them being just, just twisted enough that it was like, well, there's something special here. Yeah. But there's so much hope and faith in, God and the future and life. And then also there's the part where there's like a suffering. So mm. it kind of had, kind of had both. Yeah. What, so Dylan, as, as the vocalist, you know, coming in from your previous band, like what were your thoughts, you know, singing these songs, you know, there were somebody else's lyrics, which, you know, isn't necessarily uncommon, but do you kind of remember connecting with this song in, in any particular way? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if there's anything like specific, um, but I think in general, I always found it so easy to pick up um, everything that Matt wrote and just connect with it. Um, yeah, on like a deep level where I could, you know, put all of my energy into singing. And uh, yeah, I don't think that there was ever a time where that was difficult. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. always found it easy to connect with. And um, yeah, I'm sure there were like things that I was reading out of it that, you know, whatever were made in my own in some way or whatever, but I don't really totally remember. Yeah, well, yeah, I remember just thinking how cool, oh, excuse me, it was just to have your, you know, your powerful voice, you know, kind of on top of, you know, like a melodic song, right? Like, because the band you were playing before, you know, was a bit more kind of chuggy, kind of hardcore, whatever. And uh, so having that with the melody of these songs, but still the intensity of it, like it just kind of amped everything up, um, which I remember being like really excited about because I know with Blair, when he screamed, like, I mean, he would even say, you know, he's not necessarily a screamer, but he would scream, right? So it was these kind of like guttural emotional screams, whereas when you came in, it was kind of a bit more kind of steadfast scream kind of the whole time. And 
just had this strength to it that, that added a lot to our band. And um, yeah, another thing that stands out for me with this EP is, you know, it was four songs, you know, it was kind of our first real four songs. You know, we put out a handful of demos, you know, that had kind of connected with people, um, but, you know, ne- weren't necessarily like that big. Um, but this one, I remember, you know, I can still picture the CD release for it at the neighborhood center here in Regina and uh, like just lots of people were there and just having this feeling of like, okay, like this is really connecting with people. There's something special here. We're kind of excited to see what happens with this. And, and so, yeah, there was lot, lots of good things that came um, from these four songs. Any, any other songs or moments kind of from this album or, or this time that, that stand out? I like Never Walk Alone. I like the, is there, a, I like the, I remember writing, thinking of that, hmm. watching a train pass. That's a memory I have like that over by the old church we used to go to and jam at and stuff. It was like a train passing. Oh, wait, no, that's other places. There are other oh, places. Yeah. The songs kind of roll together is another thing is like the songs are almost like a sentence. Yeah. Yeah, and they, I mean, they kind of had similar feels to it, which is which is good. I think this was maybe the first time that we, you know, again, it was only four songs, but they seemed a lot more cohesive, um, you know, than some of our other EPs where we were kind of like figuring things out or even, you know, like a full length that was in Red Grace. You know, that was pretty kind of clunky at times, you know, like really long intros and outros and kind of just putting a whole bunch of pieces together where I felt like with this these four songs they fit together a lot more kind of compact and, you know, a bit more digestible. And so anyways, we don't need to beat that into the ground, but yeah, I just have lots of good memories of this, right. We were getting really excited about it and, you know, and then ultimately this was kind of the EP that, that got us signed. And so, um, yeah, we can kind of move on to that, you know, so getting signed to face down, you know, was a huge leap for us in many ways, you know, in regards to touring and getting our music out to more people, but also came with a lot of challenges, you know, again, with the touring in the States for months at a time and being away from loved ones. And, and we were, you know, a, a pretty new band. Well, we were a new band to the most of the people we were playing with. And so, you know, we were figuring that out and figuring out, you know, the dynamics of the four of us, you know, in the van, plus whoever was on tour with us at the time in the van. What's up, uh, Tarek? Sweaty California, no AC. <laughs> um yeah so let's talk about that next album and the songs that came from that so sending you strength released march 6th 2007 um yeah what thoughts on kind of writing and jamming and the inspiration for this you know again we you know we were excited to you know to get it put it out on a label that we loved and just knowing that more things were going to come from this you know i remember the energy and that uh jam space above the pawn shop and and piecing these songs together um but yeah like maybe matt did you when we were putting this album together did you have any kind of specific thoughts on kind of what you were hoping to accomplish with with this album from the last four songs i think we wanted to be a bit heavier and a bit more aggressive i remember that yeah and do you uh, remember why that was like i don't i mean we were, i know we were influenced by by heavier bands but like, why did we go that route versus just, you know, kind of what we had done before? I, For me, I think it was because it felt good to perform that way live in front of people. It felt good to jump, like to jump and mosh and headbang and like the physicalness of it. It'd be so sweaty. Felt really good to me at that time. Like 
So I probably just wanted to keep doing that. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it was a career choice. It was just probably came from the, from my body. So, you know, Sunny new strength straight from Matt's body. <laughs> Influenced by sweat. <laughs> that, should been, that, should have, that should have been the sticker on the front. <laughs> yeah, that's a reissue. Oh, man. These songs came right from Matt's body. Yeah, well, I think back to Dylan's vocals, right? Just knowing the power that he had. I think maybe that, too, is like, oh, let's, let's see what maybe some heavier music would sound like Yeah. Um, with that. And, you know... One thing I loved about about us is that we always kind of tended to do things organically, right? Like I don't remember us ever sitting around having a meeting being like, okay, like this is going to be the heavy record or, you know, we're going to try to be like this in this band. You know, it just kind of came organically, which I think is pretty cool because, you know, again, we were all kind of small town kids. Like, yes, we had bigger influences, but, you know, still back then it's not like you were going on youtube and you know watching other guys play and trying to mimic that and so i just think there's so many cool moments on this album that even now when i listen you know it's just like man like i don't even really know how we came up with these songs you know i I have this general um memory of of creating them but it's almost like i'm i'm so far removed from it now that it almost seems like i wasn't there so yeah any other thoughts dylan todd just kind of generally about this album going into it, um, yeah, at that time. I, I remember jamming, I think probably like the first time that we jammed the song Connected all together. Because um, <clears throat> I think I think Matt had recorded like scratch guitar, maybe even on acoustic or something for us to listen to, to like learn it. Mm. And then we came together and kind of jammed it together. And I remember the first time that we like got through that song, I just felt so excited that like it was such a killer song and like everyone was going to love it. And it's just going to be the best to play because mm. it was so fun, like such catchy parts. And yeah, I just remember feeling like that was a kind of a next step for us. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Todd? Yeah. Like, like watching, watching the songs come together in the jam space was I like like you say it's so organic because I I I would watch you two Matt and Aaron going back and forth with an idea and it you know you might shift it here and shift it there but the it always just you guys always found a way to make things fit so nicely which was beautiful um I I was so happy to do this close to home and and to have some buddies of your guys's do some guest spots it just it felt like a community thing you know doing it with a guy you guys were comfortable with at the studio and um because i was still trying to find my way into things you know i was i was getting acquainted still and so to get to the studio and have john paul kind of like tell us as a group that things were working that was really nice yeah yeah, and that, I mean, that was a, a great recording experience, you know, just kind of being away from everything, kind of living together, hanging out in the evenings, making food. And then, uh, so the loft we slept in was right over top of the live room. So once you were done your part, there was still no sleeping in. You'd get up at seven in the morning just from super yeah. loud guitar or drums or whatever. And um, yeah, just some of those memories it was like, oh man, like what is happening here? But 
yeah, again, so, you know, we didn't really know what the time, right? Like we were just kind of doing what we were hoping was going to get us somewhere. And yeah, so it was awesome having a guy like John Paul to, to kind of guide that time and um, yeah, like getting signed. And I remember still, you know, there was this old school TV in the, in the kind of control room and Dave Quiggle was going to email the artwork for the album. Yeah. Like the internet was super slow out there. And I don't know if like you hooked a computer up to the TV or whatever it was, but you know, even still the memory of, of seeing that artwork for the first time together in that studio and right. Yeah. Just all these things that were kind of coming together. That was like, man, like, you know, we're signed to a label. We've got, you know, this awesome dream guy doing the artwork and mm-hmm. um, yeah, these songs were coming together and yeah, just, just so many cool memories with this. Um, so specifically with the song connected. <laughs>
Matt, the song, you know, kind of came from, you know, your connection with your brother, I think. And do you remember kind of penning the lyrics for this and um, kind of what, what inspired that? I think that uh, it had to do with being a young man and, uh, you know, leaving home and trying to find my own path of who I was going to be. And then having feeling kind of like who's going to be by my side. And so probably, you know, and then it was you guys and, and my brother. And cause it was kind of facing the world ahead, you know, mm. it left the small town and I had dropped out of school and, and this was it. This is what we're doing now. So yeah, <laughs> I think that it was, that's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah. Which is really neat. Cause again, I think looking even back on it, like, it was almost so much bigger than you probably could have even thought in that moment. Right. Like you were taking it from kind of this personal thing. I don't know if you were thinking like, Oh, there's, you know, a whole bunch of people that can relate to this or, or whatever, but, but it just became this thing that the people did relate to, right. Cause connection is something that everybody can relate to. And, and uh, I mean, besides the song being, you know, catchy and having sing-along parts, like I think it was simplistic in the way of it, of the message coming across and, yeah, I, I remember really liking this song too. Actually, I think I can picture Dylan like maybe you had a like the lyrics written in a notebook or something, and because um, he wouldn't have had a phone back then. And right when we were working on this song, like you know, just kind of going over the lyrics and you know replaying the song, and we would do it over and over again until we you know kind of figured it out or whatever. Um, I just it's funny that uh, so this is the only kind of real music video that we did for this song. And uh, I don't really think it portrays, you know, when Matt, what you just shared, I was like, well, I don't know how an angel and some old Catholic guy portrays um, whatever the song was about. But anyways, that, that was that was a fun memory. You guys remember recording that video, what that was like? Well, yeah, I'll jump in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I remember the video took a long time. But one thing that I was thought of today watching the connected video was the feminine, the feminine characters kind of coming to bring light, you know, like that, like the album sending you strength, the album cover. When I, when I saw it, I was like, that's it. It was like, mm. so right. And then for connected at the end, the, the guy, the guy is suffering or whatever. And then the door opens and it's like a floating feminine person. Yeah. And it's, and uh, I don't know what we were thinking of at that time what, about that, but it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it just, I don't know if it was Andy or whoever just kind of came up with that. I mean, all that stuff was, was had already been um, recorded before we got there, but um, I, I remember it was in this like studio in like Columbus, Ohio or something. And there was like these different sets for, you know, like cheesy talk shows for like for local community TV or whatever. I remember being really sick that day, like just feeling so tired and out of it. Even when I still watch the video, it's like, man, I just look so dead there. But it was it was really cool to have like, you know, professional music video. And Todd, Dylan, any thoughts on on the video? That would barely remember. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I barely remember doing that. I have like only a couple memories of recording that. I just remember trying to wear that uh, Glory Nights hoodie the whole time. Oh, yeah. up our guys. They were so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to wear it. Yeah, I just remember being like really tired because it's like, and it's just awkward. <laughs> but 
you know, ideally you trust that the guy making it is, is going to do something with what you're doing, even though it feels really wrong. <laughs> we must've been on a tour, like a long tour. Cause why would we be in Ohio? That's probably why we were tired. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it was just like a day off or something that we had either planned or he just worked it out to, to be on that day or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it was something new. It was, I mean, up until then we had just done, you know, kind of those sketchy music videos with KG. And so this was the first time we were like, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. And so anyways, yeah, that's, but it is, you know, it's cool. Every time I go back to that video, like, you know, it's got a decent amount of views and there's been lots of times over the years where we're the youth I work with, you know, it will come up that I play in a band and so they'll look up the video and they're just like, you guys had that many views. Like you must've made so much money off of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's getting the ad revenue off that. I'm curious. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, maybe I should make some new ads to go on there. But, um, yeah. So yeah. Any other thoughts on connected or move on to the next? Yeah. Sweet. So the next song I picked was learning to be brave.
So kind of same as same as connected. That seemed to be one that um, that really connected with people and stood out. You know, we played it all the time. Um, yeah, any thoughts or memories, Matt, on on this one, writing this one, or thoughts on like what it was lyrically or kind of what inspired it? I don't know. I just gonna. I just watched us play it today at Cornerstone. Oh yeah, and it really sh- struck me the. Uh, like, because Dylan sings uh, Looking Back on All I've Done. Um, it's like a kind of a retrospect, hmm. you know, at the start. Um, so the question is, what was what was Dylan looking back on? I guess, yeah. <laughs> it's strange. How could someone who's 21 look back on anything? <laughs> but it's just like it's kind of a time travel thing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I like again. the the end of the song is cool too. The, the last breakdown where we're just saying learning to be brave and then it goes ba 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 ba, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about how about really you? Good Todd? idea. Well, I didn't watch that video. I watched one from the very first show I ever played with you guys at the Buffalo Lounge. And I butchered that end part. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, I remember that being a song that I look forward to playing for sure. Um, you know, I uh, looking, looking at those old videos, I, I always see myself screaming along with those parts, even though I never got a mic. Yeah. Couldn't trust you, Todd. You were just gonna, <laughs> you were just gonna talk about Reliant K if we gave you a mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. You yeah. Well, get Reliant K to pay you for all these shout outs. Yeah. Hey, I like Reliant K. I don't know why I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that as an insult, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, again, you know, coming from the EP. So even like the albums before the EP, like I said, were a bit more disjointed. I don't know if we were really writing them um, maybe from the viewpoint of like, what are people going to get from this? So it was just kind of like, these are songs we think are cool or whatever. So again, with sending you strength, you know, as a whole, you know, it's such a, such a good kind of like community album, so to speak, right? Like it kind of brings people in. It's, it's relatable. Um, you know, even maybe lyrically, you know, maybe even, you know, I don't know if this was a conscious thing or not, like kind of moving a little bit further away from kind of like faith-based lyrics or, or whatever, um, which, you know, again, maybe helped to make it a bit more relatable to more people. And it was just kind of easy to, to grab onto. Um, I, I don't know if that's, that's correct. Any thoughts on, on that? Learning to be brave, I think in the middle of that song has that quite a long kind of musical interlude. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it just what's coming to mind is uh, of Malice and Magnum Heart, Misery Signals. Mm-hmm. When yeah. that record came out, it was a pretty big movement for everybody around where we were. Yeah. Uh, that band arriving with that record. And the uh, that so that was influence for that part, I remember. And Rose's Dead was another influence that had that kind of like a melodic break before we could yell our kind of last piece. Yeah. Um. Which, which I think is really cool and unique. Like when I think of bands nowadays that would kind of be in the same genre, I, I don't, I, I can't think of any that really have those kind of interludes. And again, I think that kind of, you know, came from, you know, like bands like Misery Signals, but like I said, you know, like on our album, In Red Grace, like 
there's songs that have like two minute interludes, you know, on the start and the end, or maybe not interludes, but right where it's just kind of like, okay, what's happening here? It wasn't really flowing one way or the other, but I think by this album, we figured out kind of how to take those and tastefully kind of put them into the song. So it's actually adding something to the song, not just filling a gap, you know? And so, yeah, that's, that, that's a good point. Cause um, I think there was a few, um, few on this, on this album that kind of had that and, again, helped us to kind of stand out and just have something a little bit different, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I relate to that comment about the, the old albums having really weird interludes because my kids have really latched on to my first band CD that I didn't even know was around here. <laughs> I get home from work and they're just blasting it in the basement and like moshing. And I'm, just horrified because those songs are embarrassing <laughs> and i can and, and the thought that goes through my head is like i can't believe you're like enjoying this when i have these two other great albums with means that you guys don't care about at all so my my hope is that in you know in a couple of years they'll get their heads straight and and actually enjoy this stuff yeah well keep keep the interludes coming um yeah well that's uh, any other any like what about uh, any standouts um you know maybe like touring memories from this like matt mentioned you know we played our first time at cornerstone which was a music festival in chicago that um i know me and dylan had at least gone to kind of after high school and was really kind of influential for us so that was really cool getting to getting some of those opportunities you know gets a bit more exposure um yeah any any other kind of standout times from from this period in the tours it, lot, so much of it just kind of runs together i can't really remember what tour was from which cycle but um like i, I think the one we did with uh, misery signals and shy lude was was this album is that right yeah yeah any any other standout shows tours well there was the just i mean like going to the states was like if we went by ourselves we'd be sunk kind of feeling where where uh, touring with other bands was essential right so just the idea that different groups would take us under their wing and 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 take us around like i just have some really good memories of other face down bands just kind of like showing us the ropes of things down there whether yeah. it was playing in cali with death star or playing in pennsylvania with war of ages like it just, it was so good to have that family feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially coming from like, yeah, we were playing lots of bigger cities in Canada, but it seemed like it was easier to kind of connect in Canada. Like going to the States was, you know, especially back then a pretty big thing, right? Like, you know, maybe one or two of you guys had a cell phone, Matt had a computer, um, you know, it was pretty DIY. Like maybe our tours were booked for us, but we we're still kind of figuring it out and, and uh, yeah, like starting to build some of those relationships and, you know, meeting guys like, uh, like Neil, like Neil and Camille and, you know, just meeting people that were excited to, to meet us as a band. Right. I think that was a big thing for us was just, you know, having other people excited, right. Cause we were, we were far from home and uh, just kind of trying to make the best of it and dealing with broken down vans and, and all that kind of thing. Right. So um, yeah, like one of my favorite things is just, kind of the camaraderie camaraderie is that a word camaraderie? yes yes camaraderie. <laughs> nailed it whatever it is 
right? Like between the four of us and whatever friends we had on the road, right? We'd bring JMO and he'd get so mad at me for like waking him up or something. And, and uh, you know, that, that was a cool memory too, right? Bringing our friends from back home and kind of showing yeah. them like, Hey, like this is kind of who we are and what we're doing. And not that it was like that glamorous by any means, but I remember that being like kind of a proud thing, like, you know, like, Oh, like they signed to face down and now I get to go to face down fest and hang out with them and do merch and whatever. And, and yeah, just all those new experiences we got to learn together that, that definitely stands out, but yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm talking too much. So yeah, somebody else share Nick, some memories. <clears throat> Nick was always the best on tour. Oh, yeah. It was so fun. Um, I remember from this era, we did a CD release tour with uh, Cry of the Afflicted and Holy Springs. And uh, we had a show up in Fort McMurray. Oh, no. That yes. Nobody came to. <laughs> um, but then uh, there was just like, yeah, no, nobody was there to watch. Like maybe five kids or something showed up. And then during our set, everybody stripped down into their boxers and was moshing and everything and we all took our shirts off and everybody there's video of it on youtube i just watched it the other day and oh, no. that's at one point and matt's trying to play guitar on the floor it's so funny did that we have awesome. uh gymnastic um mats and pads yeah, and mats, stuff yeah <laughs> right yeah. i remember we were we were stage diving on no one onto gymnastic pads <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's awesome well memory that came to mind for me was uh, we, I mean, life in your way was probably one of my favorite, favorite tours that, but, and we had the camaraderie with others, but I liked it when we were on our own too. Like mm -hmm. when it was just us, like uh, by that, I mean like uh, Jacksonville, South Carolina or Jacksonville, Florida, or oh yeah, played with Emir and ja I think it was, there's two Jacksonvilles, right? One in South Carolina at, it was essentially a junkyard, I think. Oh yeah. yeah. And oh, we man. showed up and there was a bar, <laughs> it was a barbecue and we loaded in around the road and we played in a, in a farm equipment or a garage that was, had been hollowed out and it was just old abandoned uh, auto body shop kind of thing. And there yeah. was a couple fights and stuff. And we, we played well and held our own and brought kind of our energy to it. Um, but we were, we were, there's a lot of times when it was just us four way out there, you know? Yeah. Well, even if we were on tour with other bands, like you said, you know, like when we tour with bands like Amur, we were, especially at that time, pretty out of our element, you know, scene wise, you know, like we weren't super moshy and heavy, like lots of people were into. And so often we were playing to, you know, people just kind of standing with their arms crossed or like didn't really know what to do with us. And yeah, like you said, like, yeah, we kind of hold our own. We would still play our, our, our set energetically. And, you know, we didn't, we never really cared what people thought about us, which is um, something I really appreciated too. You know, it's like, we think these songs are good, right? We're, we're not trying to be something we're not. These are authentic to us. And, and uh, yeah. And I, you know, it, it's cool now that, you know, still hearing that people, you know, we're influenced by this album and, and appreciated it. So, you know, now that we can see that, you know, it's a bit hard in the moment because some of those shows is like, oh man, like nobody cares about us. We're not selling any merch, but we were still excited, you know, even though we had to listen to a mere fight about who's picking up the drugs and whatever. <laughs> I remember that show, Matt. I was scared at that show because I remember there was one guy in Death Star that was like in Courage Crew or something. 
and there was somebody from FSU at that show and he like told us before the show like if this guy starts a fight just don't stop playing just keep playing because like they'll like attack you or something if you stop and try to stop the fight or something I was like oh man where are we (laughs) yeah yeah there were other things come to mind like playing in a New Mexico um (laughs) Yeah, cra- um, crash like going to stay with somebody on a college campus, sneaking through yeah. the college campus, play- staying at places where there are weapons, um, stuff that wasn't like um, so it wasn't foreign to us. It, yeah, it wasn't part of our kind of group energy together. Yet we we tr- we I don't know how rude we were, but I think we were pretty treated people well and brought them in. And like we were open, we were open, you know, I, I, we just, we had a lot of courage. Well, it kind of seemed like, you know, again, we must've been so excited to play, just be out there playing music because yeah, there's so many things that happen that, you know, now if it happened to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm never going back to that place or I don't want to be around that group of people anymore. But back then it's like, well, I guess that's what's happening. And we're on tour with this band or whatever for the next three weeks. So I guess you just kind of, do it and enjoy your quiet time in the van when you have that break and yeah just so so many crazy things like that yeah well let's let's move on to uh to the next album to keep me from sinking released may 27th 2008 so there's only really like just over a year in between those albums which you know it wasn't necessarily uncommon for bands um but that, that seems pretty quick, you know, for how much we were touring and then just home, you know, for two months to write and record. And um, so, yeah, any, any thoughts kind of on, you know, kind of what we were hoping for with this one, you know, we, we wanted to do something different um, recording wise. So we recorded in um, just outside of New York, you know, which was definitely a, a learning experience in, in lots of different ways. Um, yeah. Any kind of maybe Matt thoughts on, um, kind of the writing of this album like do you remember kind of riffs coming to you you know from touring sending you strength or there's so many of these things that i just kind of forget about like i don't really remember how these songs even really came together which is weird but (laughs) you know i could just there was so much happening so quickly that i kind of forget what the actual process was i remember it not having as much time uh and I remember also we had, we were a bit older and we were maybe working and had other things, like our rehearsals started to have like, okay, it was going to be 40 minutes today, 40 minutes tomorrow, an hour the next day, half an hour this day, but we met every day and added and added. Hmm. Uh, I think I, it's kind of amazing to think of there was only one year. It seemed like there was a lifetime in between those records. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, what a, it was yeah. probably 150, 140 shows in between the records, at least, maybe. Oh yeah, probably more. Yeah. We could only jam for half an hour because we needed to be at the Lawson for nine o'clock diving boards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and we were like sharing that jam space with bands that like just wanted to party, and we're like the only really serious band, you know, loading gear up and down that that bloody fire escape or through the pawn shop or whatever. And yeah, like we, we definitely still had that drive in us, right? Like we were still kind of fully, fully on board with this. Um, I, I think with this one, even like Dylan maybe wrote some vocals or some, some lyrics on this album. Do you remember kind of Dylan maybe being a bit more 
a part of that process and what that was like? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I don't totally remember. I know we got like a bit faster on this record. I can't, I can like vaguely remember a conversation about that, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't remember. Well, we got made fun of so much from Jason Manti from Rose is Dead about not having any double time songs. So (laughs) (laughs) between that and having good tone, you know, we have to step it up. This record has repeating choruses, right? Which was kind of new. Yeah. It has repeating choruses and then it's faster. I think this the two big differences I remember or can think of. Yeah. Yeah. How about, how about you, Todd? Do you remember these songs coming together or, well, cause you probably kind of went home for a bit in between. I think exactly. I can kind of remember you coming back and we kind of already had the songs pieced together or something. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I was, I was a man split between two loves at the moment, you know, my lady was in Edmonton and you guys were in Regina and I didn't know what to do. But uh, you made the right choice. Just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I, I remember coming back to Regina, you know, flying in for a couple weeks and basically spending them in the, in Chris Olson's parents' basement. And I guess it was his house, but, and Matt just kind of showing me the songs and, and really, really kind of missing out on that, that development part of it. Um, which, uh, which I look back on with a little sadness, but that's okay. Um, because I, I'm so happy with how the songs came out once again. I, like I say, I, I, I was a fan long before any of these songs came into existence. So I, I came to trust you guys and your decisions. Do you remember why we rushed Todd? Like what? Yeah, no, I don't know. I, it it felt like it needed to happen. I guess I don't know whether there I was. We a were, um, I think we were on a schedule, like a release schedule, like a contract with Face Down to put out three records in three years or something like that, yeah. or two in a certain amount of months. Or no, it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think maybe part of that is you know not every band on Face Down or lots of labels you know, we're touring as much as us. And and maybe when that contract came out, you know, maybe Jason just didn't realize how much we were going to be touring. And, you know, like, I don't think it caused any tension or anything, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, even just to think, what if we had just toured another year or had we kind of toured as much as we could off of that and, you know, just kind of needed to move on. Like, yeah, there's kind of lots of those things that go into that, that looking back, it's like, oh, like maybe this would have been more beneficial, right? Like taking more of a break or, it's not like we were this huge band where the label was like, we need this release to keep, you know, momentum going, right. but, yeah. but, you know, even just us, right. Like, like I had mentioned before, like, you know, me and you, Matt, like we were just always writing so much kind of even from the very beginning. So maybe that's just kind of what we thought had to happen. Yeah. I remember feeling pressure to like, make it a big one, you know, mm. whatever that meant at the time. And, and so, I had kind of guided us to go and try and make this in New York. It was like, you know, let's go to New York and make a big one with the, with the famous people, you know? And so I think that it was, I was kind of scrambling to try and find what was next for us. Mm. So I've kind of regretted that over the years, 
of, of maybe, you know, working together a bit more, maybe going back to Winnipeg or whatever. Um, because during the recording of this record, I didn't feel super, we, I didn't feel we're super connected as a band. Mm. I was kind of on my own thing and the, and the, we, the songs were great, but we couldn't get the right feel with the producer and it was frustrating. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like, like you said, you know, we've gone from recording two albums, you know, at this secluded cabin outside of Winnipeg to, you know, not this like huge studio, but it was definitely, you know, a, a step up. Like it, it felt like, you know, a big time studio kind of thing, you know, outside of New York. Right. So we were, you know, out of our country, you know, away from, from family and trying to find things to do. And yeah, I, I still think of those, you know, being the first to record doing my drum parts and just feeling that, that sense of like, man, like, I don't feel like I'm ready for this. You know, like we haven't practiced enough like, you know, hadn't really practiced to a click and, and all these things. And so, I mean, all that considered, you know, it, it, it came out fine, but um, yeah. How about Todd and Dylan? What do you guys remember from, from that time recording in New York? It was, I was sick. I'm pretty sure. I remember like, trying to down like warm water and lemon juice like as much as possible and being like like not really sure this is going to work out um and like listening to it now I, I definitely don't like the way that I sound on that record but I also remember getting the first mix back and like he had like super processed my voice or something and I wanted it to be like raw or something and definitely think like, like that was the wrong choice but <laughs> I remember, and we weren't in there for very long either. It was like two weeks or something. Yeah. But I do remember, um, like, I, I liked the studio a lot. The setup was really cool. And yeah. It was sweet being on Long Island and getting to go into the city. And I think I remember Cry the Afflicted played a show with like Emery or something. We went to the city and saw them. And I remember that being really cool and super mm. fun. Yeah, there was definitely like energy about it, right? Just kind of meeting new people and being in this space and, again trying to figure it out and and uh, what was that guy's name scotty that sweet dude that was kind of engineering <laughs> or helping out right we went recorded at did pre-production at his house you know that night before or something and what band was that like, one guy in there was a guy in the like, hopes fall band. no <laughs> wasn't it weedis weedis oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, the, the guy that engineered it was in was in Weedis, which is funny because I was just listening <laughs> to a podcast where this band was saying he would this band guy was saying he'd always make mix CDs for somebody else in the band and he would always throw that song on just to like throw this guy off because it was the worst song. And I was like, oh man, we record with that guy. No, but there was that I can't remember the guy. He was like, he came later in the studio and he like he ended up doing gang vocals, right? He he played guitar in Hope's Fall. Remember, remember that guy? If, if we go back in the liner notes, I could find his name, right? He was there like hanging out because he had recorded a Hope's Fall album there with, with Mike Watts. Anyways, yeah. that at all. I just I guess vaguely remember that. I remember I, I liked that engineer guy, Rich. Is that yeah. the guy from Weedus? Yeah. I like I kind of I kind of liked working with him and didn't feel comfortable with the producer. Yeah. Or I was trying to impress the producer and I got kind of out of who I was. Yeah. Bit, you know. Well, that was part of, you know, like when we record with John Paul, like it was really kind of personal. Like he was really invested in it. It was just us and him there. Whereas this studio, like there was other projects coming in and out, you know, it was like rap groups coming in to like mix albums with Mike and it just kind of felt a bit disjointed. 
you know, but again, we were like, well, we're here. So we're going to, we're going to kind of go with it. We did good. Yeah. We got yeah. It. Let's talk about a few of the songs off of this. So the two, the, the first song that I picked was Steadily. We can see so far across the sky. We can see so far from here across the water. We could see the tops of the trees And I hold my arms out steadily And I'm keeping my fist to highlight this song because um i think one of the things that really made us stand out kind of over the years was you know was matt and his ability to create songs you know that were a bit out, outside of the box but that would still fit you know like we had uh um i think it was called like a choose her over light off of sending you strength and you know other albums where there might be like an acoustic song at the end or um, and I mean, you, Matt, talked about this on, on our, our episode together, just how you were, you know, creating things, you know, that were maybe not for means. Um, so I'm curious as, you know, to a song like this, I don't even remember really hearing this song before it was done. Like, I feel like, you know, you were just kind of doing your thing and then I can still remember coming into the control room and hearing this song and just being like blown away by it. 
Um, but I don't remember like really you working on it before or hearing it. And do, do you remember kind of writing this song or how these kind of songs kind of came to you that, that you thought would fit on our albums? I, I don't, the, the album title comes from the song, right? Yeah. So maybe yeah. we had it in our back pocket. Um, had we talked about what the album was going to be called yet? It's hard to remember. Yeah. I just, you know, I was making, I was kind of poking fun of the idea of a 21 year old, not having any wisdom or having anything to look back on. But I think steadily um, it sounds to me today, like it's like somebody who they can't, I, I can't stand the thought of things changing and going away. Like, um, mm. uh, how, how do the lyrics even go? That's just kind of like the person who's having a really a hard time of letting go. And, uh, well, I, the, I the lyrics what that, I always, that I always loved was the, the two lines in the bridge, but that I will remember what I learned before the flooding came. And I will remember who I was before the walls gave way. Yeah, it's like oh, it's like we're going through change, a change, and couldn't imagine what was what life was going to be like next. Like there's no, it feel like dying, you know, like to change, you know, to to go in the band, to quit the band, to lose faith, to have faith, to get married, to move away. Like just like any kind of change is like this is the end of the world. How am I going to survive? How am I going to have the curse do this? And from that was a big reflection of my own faith. Like all my those lyrics that Dylan and I wrote together was like, or separately together was a lot of kind of prayers essentially of like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> which makes sense to scream it, but I don't remember we ever really played the song live. Oh, I, I can picture a, a few times. There was once, I think it was in Montreal, because um, I think Jacinth and Matt were there, where, I don't know, we must have played there before, or like people were asking you to play this song, or maybe you just started playing it, and like everyone was singing along. I can definitely remember a few moments like that, where this was kind of like an end of the show, if people were still, you know, maybe asking for another song or something, where you would play this one. And so I always remember thinking it was cool to have a song you know, that wasn't just, you know, like an acoustic version of a song or acoustic song. Like it, you know, I think you still played it on the electric guitar maybe with some effects and pedals and whatever, but um, yeah, I don't know. This is one of those songs that I, I kind of see it as an outsider because it's on a means album, but I didn't have any part of creating this, you know, which, which was weird because usually me and you did, you know, make all the songs. And, right. And so it was, yeah, like I said, when I heard it for the first time, it was just like, Oh, like this gets to be on our album. Like, I don't know. I, I just remember feeling really good about that. Do you remember hearing the song Dylan then? Like, did we all kind of go in the control room and listen to it or? That sounds vaguely familiar. Um, yeah. I don't totally remember, but yeah, I remember, I remember what you're saying about playing it live. Like it would be sort of a, um, an outro or whatever you call that, where you come back in Um and yeah, I, remember, I just remember people like all crowded around Matt. Like I have a, a memory of it. Maybe it was in Edmonton or something. It's people like on the stage crowded around Matt while he's playing it. It's yeah, super cool. I, I remember that too. It was like way, it was like an 30 minutes after the show or something, right? Or <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't remember. Do you remember with songs like this, Matt? Like, 
ask like i don't mean this in a negative way but do you remember like asking like hey like can do you mind if i put this song on like i don't it, i guess in, what i'm trying to say is it never caused like tension or anything like we always thought it was really cool it added a lot to it but as the person writing it were you like oh i've got this cool song like because in my mind you just kind of went and recorded it and i mean obviously we liked it and and it worked out but i, I don't kind of remember those dynamics of how that played out yeah, me neither. I always i I felt supported by you three when it came to the kind of creative color or vibe of the record. So I felt supported. I mean, I must have because because we had like Aaron, you said we had an instrumental song on the "Sending You Strength" too, where I talked like a robot for two or three minutes. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> straight from your body. <laughs> It's like a Thomas Burton poem or something. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I remember, I feel like we all just knew you were going to do stuff like that. And we loved it. Like, it was so good that it was just like, yeah, this is just like, the, like an instrumental song or like Matt's song or whatever. And it's just going to be awesome. I this think is we just all, another part of Matt's body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we, we all kind of liked records with that certain, that had that standout thing. Like, of Mouse and Magnum Heart having the worlds and dreams, the worlds and dreams. Yeah. I think we all appreciated that about hardcore music. So we liked the, the seeing how stretchy the dynamics could be, I think. I think we all liked that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's cool to have it. I can't remember exactly where it is in the, in the track listing. Um, but even just to have something, you know, to kind of breathe life into the album a little bit or to like create some space in there, you know, it kind of was like, okay, like the next song is going to be high energy again. And um, yeah, I don't know. This is this, just such a great song. I'm, I'm excited to go and listen to it again after this. Yeah. Cause I, I really love the placement because we dwell in possibility comes in after and it's just, oh, yeah. just smashing the snare. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Then the, the other song I picked is the closing track, which is maybe a, a little bit unique, but I've dread and dreams.
will know what to say. We will know when step to take. From what we've learned, investigating. We should enter. We will know what to say. We will know each step to take. From what we've learned, Yeah, I think this is one that we, again, would, would play quite often. I can picture it along, playing it lots of times and, you know, had cool um, sing-along parts and, you know, that uh, bending like a reed in the wind, which is a really cool line. And, um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily have anything like other specific for this, but, um, yeah, we, we played it a lot, so it must have stood out. Any any thoughts or memories on, on creating this song? or inspiration behind it. Um, I like the, that we screamed, uh, investigating. How do we not That's get that word on CSI or something? There's another word too, at the start of the song. Um, that's a unique word for you, Dylan. I can't remember what it was. Uh, uh I made notes for this and forgot them. <laughs> But investigating, we'll you know we'll know what to do in the future if we investigate our our fears and our dreams, right? Mm. Uh, then that breakdown, or is there a breakdown in the middle and at the end? Uh, I, good question. It's more of like a extended transition than a breakdown, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't make specific notes on here from the song. I just remember when I was listening through the songs, I was like, oh, this, this is just a really neat song. Like, it, it's a really good closer of the album. I don't know, like, maybe we even played this song last. Sometimes it shows, like, there was just something about it that kind of felt like the end, you know, even, like, lyrically and, like, maybe had a bit more darker of a sound versus melody. And any connections for you, Dylan, on this one? Did you write any lyrics of this one or was this all Matt? Um, I don't remember, <laughs> but uh, I thought, uh, yeah, listening back to this song, um, you can really hear like the cool melodies that uh, were on this record. And especially in, there's one sort of like verse or whatever that Matt takes over and there's like an extra guitar that comes in on it and it's super cool and catchy and um yeah, I felt like that was kind of common throughout this whole record is that like we were doing choruses and they were more catchy than what we've been doing before and like lots of cool, catchy melodies. And I felt like this album, like the songs were really well written and it's a little bit like too bad that we didn't come out quite the way that we wanted in the recording. And then, you know, we broke up probably before most people had even heard it because it came out, I think that spring before we broke up. But uh but yeah, I think this was a, a good song to kind of showcase what the whole album is about with some really heavy parts and some really uh, cool, catchy melodies. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any, like even any other overall thoughts of this album, Todd, any other yeah, well, thoughts I thought on 
that interesting that that there was uh that the the poppy parts are are coming up because i remember with breaking in matt was real conflicted about the the chorus riff on the guitar he thought it was just too cheesy or something and all three of us were uh, like just stop it's awesome yeah i can he, vaguely remember that yeah he had this like alternate way to play it that wasn't as fun that he was like too embarrassed about what he had written or something and we were like no 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 you're not taking this away yeah yeah and that's those were some of the things that we kind of had to like work through right because we didn't have a lot of time and we didn't we didn't have you know a month of kind of just going over the songs it was like man we need 10 songs you know we've got you know a month or two months to write these before we go to record and so i mean looking back yeah like it's, it's again kind of crazy the things we came up with like i don't know how we still you know had the ideas or the inspiration you know after being on tour for so long and you know, I had gotten married in there and like, like Todd said, it was in a serious relationship. Like it felt like there were kind of things pulling at us, but we were still so invested that we somehow, yeah. Like Matt said before, like just practiced every day and um, yeah, we, we were able to still kind of, I guess, get out some good thoughts and ideas. Any uh, standout memories from, yeah, it's like Dylan said, like this, yeah, we were, you know, five, six months later, we were, we were at the end um, of this, but any um, standout tours shows uh, from this album? For me, this is when it kind of starts to get a bit cloudy. I can't remember exactly kind of what tours we had off of this album. And Yeah, I think we had that Life in Your Way tour, like right as this was coming out, maybe, or just before okay. this came out. Um, that was a, a big standout for sure. You know, loving yeah. that band and those guys were so awesome. And For Today was on that, which we, you know, had known already and they were really fun as well. And uh, I remember playing a show in like Cheyenne, Wyoming, I think, at this church. And it was just like so weird. And it was just like a bizarre, like youth group show or something. And uh, I remember we we had been joking a bit throughout the tour about uh, me doing scissor kicks and Todd was like, you know, trying to say that he was doing a bunch too and but he was playing guitar and so he couldn't do as many as me or something. And so we were going to have this contest of like, who could do the most. And then <laughs> we opened that, like it was such a weird show. It was the perfect time to do it. So we opened our set with just like punk beat and like open chords for like 30 seconds. And oh, we just yeah. all did kicks for like a minute. <laughs> it was so long. Oh, it's just pure death. <laughs> definitely put those guys to shame with how how many scissor kicks we did yeah that's you know yeah those those memories stand out right because it's you know you get to a show you kind of get a vibe of how the show is going to be and if it's like oh, okay this might be a you know not not that we ever like had negative thoughts or thought like oh we're not going to play as good because there's not many people here or whatever like i think we always put you know as much energy as we had into it but we were able to kind of, you know, almost poke fun at ourselves and be like, oh, you know, okay, nobody knows us. No one came to see us. Well, let's just be total asses and just kind of do whatever, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, make fun of ourselves or just have fun, right? Because yeah. you got to do that. You can't be so serious. So, yeah, so many of those memories stand out. 
And I, I remember, do you remember playing in that prison in um, at that abandoned warehouse in Edmonton on Halloween? And I, wore, <laughs> yeah. I played in basically red spandex. Yeah, it was like not no shirt on. <laughs> right. And, and I'm just thinking of shows where we did like uh, gimmicks because that the scissor kick thing is really funny. Just yeah, you know, the band comes out in two minutes of. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't we didn't dress up very much, but I remember wearing playing in spandex at one time. Well, I think we played a Halloween show in Ontario. Um, it was with the Artist Life and I think Kathleen Turner Overdrive. So maybe that was actually our last, our last tour out there. And I think it was a Halloween too, because I remember wearing like um, a life jacket and swimming goggles or something, and and just being like, "Oh man, this is like way too much to be playing in." Or <laughs> yeah, man. So that's yeah. That kind of wraps up wraps up the songs. Um, yeah. Any other songs from I guess any of this of our discography or that album that, that you wanted to mention or or talk about? Hmm. One cool memory I have um, is with the song uh, "The Promise" that had Mike Fro singing on it. Yeah, uh, it's from "Sending You Strength," and uh, when we did that sh- that song at our final show. Um, my brother from Arizona had flown in for the show and it was a surprise. He didn't tell me. So I was like in the middle of a song when I first saw him like marching or whatever. And it was super fun and cool. And then both my brothers came up and sang on, uh, on that song during Mike Farrell's part. Yeah. And it was super fun and meaningful. Yeah. Thanks for telling us that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we can kind of end on, on, yeah. So our last show, like we had done, you know, a final Canadian tour and I think a uh, string of dates in the States. And um, yeah, this was, you know, I've obviously we've, we've all had lots of time to, to think about this over the years, you know, like what could have been, you know, just how the kind of how abruptly it ended, you know, like me and my wife had found out that, that we were expecting. And, and so I kind of jumped the gun a bit, maybe um, on just saying like, Oh man, I'm going to be a dad. Like I can't be on the road. And, you know, there's been lots of times where I've thought like, what would have happened if we, you know, maybe just took a break or, you know, did things a di- bit differently. And, I, and it was tricky because we were all kind of from different places or, you know, by that time, at least, you know, Todd, you know, was essentially kind of waiting to get married or, you know, wasn't going to get married until the band broke up. Um, you know, Matt was wanting to pursue music. Um, Dylan just wanted to keep growing his hair out. I'm not sure if that <laughs> was a part of, just kidding. <laughs> Like, I don't remember if that time, Dylan, if you were like wanting to pursue school already or not, which you did after, but right. It was just kind of this weird thing of like, oh, it like. It should be mentioned that Dylan wrote a damn good album after. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess he, he was he was the most. Well, I guess Matt kept doing music after that as well. So, um, yeah, that's kind of its own separate thing. But, yeah, there was, you know any thoughts on kind of the emotions or what was going on? Like, I don't, you know, I think I mentioned this with Matt in our conversation too. Like, I wish we would have done maybe better as the four of us um, of maybe like communicating or being open. Like, you know, I can remember, you know, different times of tension with, you know, whoever, because, you know, we were just tired and maybe missing home and maybe we just didn't know how to maybe kind of share feelings more about how we were feeling about things. Um, which is what feelings are is when you share about how you're feeling about things. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, like so may, maybe things could have been different, or you know, again when the band ended, we kind of went our separate ways. And so that is we don't need to spend like a bunch of time talking about that, but you know, I, I'm curious just to how like what thoughts were, you know, going into this final show. And you know, it was an awesome show. You know, we had all of our friends and like family there, like um, like Dylan said, and so it was a definitely a great way to end it, you know. I think that was better than maybe trying to keep going and then it kind of being like, okay, this isn't working. We're just going to kind of fizzle out and do whatever. Right. So um, yeah. Any, any thoughts or expressions on kind of the, that end to that chapter or uh, I guess another way is like, how were those, I know for me, those first few months after were pretty jarring. Like, you know, it was, um, you know, all of a sudden I wasn't doing what I thought I was going to be doing you know, I wasn't seeing the friends that, you know, I'd spent the last, you know, how many years day in and day out with. And, you know, yes, I was excited to be at home with my wife. And, you know, three months later was a dad, which, you know, was also a jarring transition. And um, yeah, I just remember kind of feeling like, man, I'm not, I'm not who I, what I'm trying to say, you know, like up until then, I was like, I'm Aaron from Means, right? And all of a sudden, I'm not Aaron from Means anymore, right? And that's kind of what I had known since high school. That's what got me excited. And, and uh, yeah, so just some of those, those weird transitions of, you know, kind of figuring things out. I, I think I was in denial for, for quite a long time, even during the final shows, enjoying it, but also um, thinking, well, this isn't, this isn't really happening. You know, this isn't the last tour. You know, we've been on a hundred, we've been on lots of tours together. And at times, so I would kind of come in and out of that. And, uh, and I was, I was full of energy for music still and nimble. And yeah, I was at the morning after our show, we all got tattoos. Yeah. You know, we got tattoos together and, and, um, I, I remember thinking, feeling sad, but that it, that it kind of wasn't the end for us in some way. Mm. Uh, Are you saying we still we still have another <laughs> album in us? <laughs> Let's get the rumors going. Have we been a band this whole time? <laughs> yeah, we have. I what I'm saying know. is, we have. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah, like Aaron said, I, I didn't know how to imagine my life without you three and staying in the van because that's where we lived. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and we all, you know, it, uh, you took care of me during that time. And like, yes, we did. Put, put, <laughs> put, up with, put up with whatever kind of um, uneven behavior I had. It was mostly just wearing the same sweaty shirt. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a sweaty hoodie with no shirt underneath. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's from doing the merch at that show in Toronto or whatever. <laughs> but oh, man. I, I will pass it off after this, though, that we did have a professional attitude, you know, all, all the time. So yeah. I think that the, the, the physical nature of playing, it took a lot out of me and just playing it right till the end took a lot out of me. So, yeah. Uh, so, at the end, uh, yeah, I just, 
at the end of the thing, I was tired. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. This is not what. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do with you not here, to be honest, to have this talk. Oh, I love it. That's all good. I got to pass the buck now. Help, help me out. <laughs> Yeah, I think that I uh, we're never going to get Aaron back from this, so we may as well just keep going, <laughs> the three of us. Oh, but, man, that's uh, happened sorry, when I dude. talked to Matt, too, about when Daryl pushed him into a sink or something. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, yeah, Todd, Dylan, take it away. I think that, like, I can definitely relate to that, you know, not really knowing how to define yourself or identify yourself afterwards. But I think that for me, it was, you know, postponed because... I went on to do continuance after and I had, I had gone down and filled in for uh, Saints on a tour before our last tour even. And so that was kind of like lined up for me a little bit already, or I sort of sensed that that was coming down the line. But then, yeah, after doing that for a couple of years and then moving back to Yorkton to live with my dad and become a lifeguard was a bit of a identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, you were, you kind of, I mean, Matt kept doing music too, but you kind of kept, you know, the, the hardcore stuff going and being a band from the States. Do you remember, uh, and I'm sure we've talked about this, but just, you know, going from a band that, you know, had been you know around for a while that you had, you know, put so much into and then joining something else kind of coming in as an outsider, like, was that, you know, were you just excited to continue to play music and tour or was it kind of this awkward, like, you know, you didn't feel a part of it or, or anything like that? Um, no, yeah, I was, I was excited about it for sure. They, like, I had filled in with them, and then uh, they had been writing some songs and sent me a couple, um, just some music that they'd been working on. And uh, just to kind of see what I thought about it, we hadn't talked about me joining them or anything. And then, um, yeah, I just kind of put lyrics to it and just came out super naturally, and it was super fun, so... Yeah, it yeah. seemed like a real natural transition, and I was really excited about it. You know, that's in a in a weird way between you and Matt. You know, with Matt still doing music, I almost feel like part of me is still still kind of going in that. You know, which is which is cool. You know, like when you did that continuance album, right? Because it was it was similar to Means, um, you know, music wise, and and just hearing your voice on another album was like, okay, like this kind of, it almost kind of helped me grieve, you know, and even still, you know, maybe I haven't thought about this till now, but even with Matt still doing music, like, you know, I know throughout your albums, you've, you know, touched on your time in the band, you know, in your lyrics, um, whether it's, you know, a story you're telling or something that's like, oh, that's cool that that's almost kind of still, still living. And, and, you know, we're, we're still talking about it however many years later. So it's, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of keep, keep us going so that's uh yeah don't stop yeah dylan you gotta you gotta <laughs> join another band man you still got it in you or todd come on reliant k band you can do it keep the dream alive <laughs> Yikes. no i i made some songs with some guys a couple years ago but for two years they were bickering in the jam space about who was getting okay. the drugs yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, no, they were just like, oh, how how can we release these songs? We got to plan a gig to do it just right. I was like, dude, we're a garage band. We're just having fun. Just put them online. 200 people might listen to them. Just let it go. Yeah. How, how did it go? Did 
Oh, it was fun. It was fun. But I, when COVID hit, we stopped jamming because we didn't really have a spot that could make. And uh, I, I was kind of like, like I say, I was, they were in a different mindset with the band than I was. So it wasn't going to work anyway. Yeah. Well, any, any closing thoughts, final last words, um, anything, anything that we haven't touched on that when you kind of look back on your time in the band that, that stand out or anything else like that? Do you have any connections for Furnace Fest if we could maybe get on or something? Yeah, <laughs> I, I've still got merch I need to try sell there. <laughs> you no, know, you know, for me, I, I often think like where we kind of came from and where we ended, right? Like playing in Dauphin at this old fire hall for, you know, 20, 30 people or whatever that were excited about seeing us, you know, to now, you know, anybody in the world can go on Spotify or iTunes and find our albums. You know, so to me, that's that's pretty cool, you know, and, and to still be proud of of the music that we put out there and, you know, the integrity and, um, you know, our, our genuine um, contributions to to a music scene. And, yeah, you know, like, a, you know, over the years, whether it's people messaging for merch or, you know, now, you know, people trying just this week on, on Facebook, there was someone on the Facedown group, like trying to find a copy of Sending You Strength. You know, so there's still people that are like, oh, man, like I need that album. Right. So to me, every time I see that, it's like that's that's kind of crazy. Like, you know. Anything else? I just think of the uh, how much I needed that experience in my life. Mm, I just needed to play like I needed to play with you guys. I needed to scream and sing and dance and do that like. Oh, yeah. for my own health and wellness for my life. So that's something that is just super important to me that I can draw upon that experience uh, be, um, because I, I, I liked myself during those days. So at the, the edginess and creativity we shared, you know, I could mm. draw upon that. So thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely grateful for, yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, I think that's one of the things when I when I first saw Means to an End play, like I feel like I could almost like picture myself in it because it was a step up from the band I was in. And I was like, oh, if I could play in a band like that, maybe I would get you know more opportunities. And you know, then it just kind of kept going from there. But yeah, Todd Dillon, Todd Dillon. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just enjoying hearing you guys tell stories. I've I've heard my own bad stories for twelve years trying to convince other people that <laughs> i'm not a joke just go watch the video for you will become and they'll see you're not even there <laughs> yeah yeah no it's uh, the one day i was at work and and all the people in the dispatch office one of one of my buddies went and told them that i had been in this band and so they all pulled this video up on the on the big screen in there and so then i couldn't live it down for years what did they say oh they were i mean they were what do they always say you know like (laughs) people that but that don't have any context or context for that just don't know what to do with it they're just like oh they're screaming i don't know what this is (laughs) all right dylan close us off 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, I would just echo, you know, your guys' comments that, um, yeah, it was a really special time. And, you know, like I, I mentioned before, I dreamed about doing that when I was in high school and, you know, going down to Cornerstone when I was 16 or whatever and seeing Stretch Armstrong and uh, Figure Four and stuff and, you know, watching that FaceTime DVD and stuff. It was, you know, the only thing that I could think about doing in high school and, you know, really was a dream come true in a lot of ways. And, yeah, I think that we did it in a way that was really special, you know, it was unique kind of sound. And, um, yeah, definitely super grateful for the opportunity to get out there and do that with you guys. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, unless there's anything else, cut the end. <laughs> Slash whatever. <laughs> <laughs>